So unless you've been living under a rock for the last couple of days, you've probably heard that Eddie Van Halen has passed away. And the question that comes up from my friends happens to be, how much of an influence exactly has that guy had on your life? Dan Halen, Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, it's time to talk about the white elephant in the room. So to say he had an influence on my life a little bit, that's quite an understatement. So let's cue the music and we'll get right to it. Welcome to My Amazing Yukon Life Podcast. It's time now to sit back and fill your gold poke with nuggets of knowledge as we pan through stories of desperate struggle, wild adventure, love, despair, and untold fortune, recounted by those with the tenacity, determination, and grit to survive and thrive amidst the magic and mystery of Canada's Yukon. And now, your host, affectionately known as Trapper Dan, Yukon's Renaissance man, Daniel Haley. Welcome, everyone, to my Amazing Yukon Life podcast number 16. As I alluded to earlier, the beloved Eddie Van Halen has passed away. He had a struggle with throat cancer for many years, and it finally caught up to him. And he passed away on Monday, and I've been thinking for a couple of days exactly what to say about him. And, of course, my namesake, Dan Halen, derives from Eddie Van Halen, and let's talk about the white elephant in the room here. The question is, has this guy had any influence on your life? Well, clearly he has. And like, where do you start? I guess we should start back in, in the early years. Let's go back to 1984. Now, that was a tour that the Van Halen Band did when I was living in Winnipeg at the time. They came through in 1984 and had written a song called Jump. And it was to do with the year of 1984 because... 1984, as those of us who can remember, was a leap year, and therefore the word jump was pretty appropriate, and it was one of the first times that the Van Halen Band actually came out with a keyboard motif in one of their songs, which was kind of funny at the time because so many people were thinking, wow, that's not the Van Halen that I know. They've kind of sold out. They're going all pop now. They're going all mainstream. It's going to be one of these you know, 80s pop bands. And the reason that Eddie Van Halen played the keyboard is because he's classically trained as a keyboard player. He never had any guitar lessons and clearly he doesn't need any. But as a piano player, he played as a, a young child and got very good at it, as well as his brother Alex. So why not play keyboard? Hell, you're in one of the best rock bands in the world and you can write your own script. So there you go. He wrote the, the song called Jump. It's one of the songs that you do not play when you're in one of the music stores because it's been played so many times. It's almost like the uh, the forbidden guitar riff. I'm going to play it here for you, just the heck of it. You know where that's going, right? A minor chord. Yeah, you don't play that in a guitar store either. And of course, the A minor chord, first position chord, in the hands of someone like Eddie Van Halen became magical. And... Uh, I'm just thinking of the concert in 1984. I just happened to look at the set list. It's on the internet still. And they started off the show actually with Unchained. And that's a heck of a thing. It's got some amazing syncopations in the beginning of that with the guitar. And then it starts to mellow out with, uh, kind of goes into the pocket and it becomes more predictable. But the beginning of it, clearly it's free and it's intense because the guy is all over the place. He's coming up with this incredible rhythm. And then finally, it just starts to groove with the rest of the band. But his rhythm playing, as you may well know, it was absolutely stellar 
and completely in the pocket. So when you listen to some Van Halen songs, pay careful attention to that. Not only was he a phenomenal lead guitarist and innovative beyond belief, but rhythmically, quite uh, quite stellar. And back to the A minor chord, because that's the song that they ended with. It's called Ain't Talking About Love. And I remember this, learning this song back in the day, and it was like, same as this, but just different uh, positioning. Led Zeppelin made gazillions of dollars in that one. Van Halen did very well in this one too. Something like that. It's not exactly perfect. But what he was doing was a lot of muting with his right hand as well too. And just picking all those notes out and making them arpeggiated. took three rounds, four rounds before I finally got it right. And that's another thing. Like As a perfectionist for a rhythm player, absolutely incredible. So again, I learned some of my very first chords just listening to that particular album. Um, and also just the presence, the sheer rock and roll stardom presence that the entire band had back in 1984 was absolutely top of the game. These, these guys just pranced around like they owned the place. And, well, they did, basically. They owned the whole place. So what was I doing in 1984? Um, just going to reflect on this for a second. This concert for the Van Halen tour, which ended up in Winnipeg, at the, uh, the arena, which was actually torn down just about three years ago. It was a fabulous arena, and it was April 25th, 1984. So I guess I was 18 plus a few months and I was working for Garnet Amplifiers at the time. And it wasn't too far from the arena, actually. It was on Sargent Avenue. And I worked for a guy named Gargillies. Garnet was his full name, so Garnet Amplifiers. And we were making all sorts of things. We were basically building all the boxes, putting in the speaker cabinets, wiring things together. And uh, yeah, it was interesting to work in that particular venue because all the people from the guests who would hang out there, people from the local bands, and it was a... A pretty heady time in Winnipeg, actually, because there was lots of venues to play at. There was lots of really good bands. There was Streetheart, Queen City Kids, um, The Pumps, um, Orphan. There's a whole bunch of bands that I used to hang around with. And these guys were, yeah, they were just like local dudes. They just cooked the water like everyone else. But to work in that venue was pretty cool. And being 18, you know, is coming of age, so to speak, and learning my chops on the guitar, but really just idolizing the local heroes. And, you know, I had these kind of local gurus to speak of, and uh, they were, you know, they were musicians, they were doing it, they were, they were making a living at it. There was incredible blues players there, um, multi-talented people. And I think that's the big thing, like my early years in the music industry, I was surrounded by people that could build amplifiers, who could record, engineer, they could build instruments. Um, I'm thinking of a guy named Terry Barnett. He worked in the store as well, too. And the guy was an amazing blues player, great singer, and a heck of a luthier, and just a general heck of a human being as well, too. But there's just dozens and dozens of people that influenced me along the way. And again, Van Halen at the time, absolutely. I thought they were, thought they were quite something. So getting back to the guitars, 
Now, Eddie Van Halen, he started with a basically an $80 guitar neck and about a $50 second body. And the second means it's it's coming out of the trash. It's It's got a, a little knot hole in it or something or some kind of goofiness going on with the grain of the wood. But of course, it doesn't matter to him. If you throw a guitar in his hands, it could have three strings and he could make it sound great. But he found himself basically an $80 neck, $50 body, and he started to mess around with different pickup configurations. And funnily enough, the Strat pickups that were in the front of the guitar actually never were wired because he played on the on the back humbucker, but he twisted the humbucker a little bit sideways to pick up more of the pull pieces on the strings. And uh, he's messing around with different uh, whammy bars. And I don't know what he actually settled on. I thought it was a Floyd Rose for a while, but I don't think it was. But it's something of that ilk anyway. It was, it was like a, a locking tremolo system. And he had it painted black and white just because it was a second body. And then after that kind of ran its course, he painted some red onto it. And that was the guitar that I think it was termed as the um, Franken, something or another, Franken Strat, I think is what they called it eventually. And it's kind of a funny name, but, you know, it's a little bit of Frankenstein kind of engineering. But the beauty was in the pickups as well, too. He dipped those pickups, or the one pickup, into paraffin wax, and he'd rewind it. And, of course, me being 18, I could take apart anything and rarely put it back together. But I was extremely curious, and heck, if Eddie Van Halen could do it, I could do it. So I would take stuff apart. I'd find all sorts of different guitars and... You know, it's, it's done me well through the years because I'm a curious individual and I really respect people that actually go out of their way to try and make something innovative and build something with their own two hands. And I think that's why I really liked working at, um, at uh, Garnet Amplifiers at the time because that's what was going on there. Those people were putting together instruments, taking them apart. And Anyway, back to Eddie Van Halen. He had a sound that he wanted. He couldn't get it. He had an instrument he wanted, but they didn't make it. So he built it, he had the sound in mind, he made that guitar sound exactly what he was imagining, and of course the technique that this guy had with all the squeaks and squawks and the pinch harmonics and the the whammy bar and the tapping and arpeggiation, everything he was doing was so out to left field that it, uh, it stood right out. And of course a lot of people can play like that now, but it's, it's not the same. Like if you're the person who actually invented that sound, invented that technique, you're the inventor, right? Like I could probably build an airplane, but I'm not the Wright brothers. Same thing, right? It's, it's one thing to build it. It's another thing to be the person that built it first. But generally it was technique. And of course, unless you have that technique and you spent your whole entire life developing it, you're not going to sound like that because... Well, that's just not you, right? So back to that concert, 1984. Starting off with Unchained, of course, then there's a drum solo, a bass solo, and uh, after that, of course, is the guitar solo. They saved that for the last part of the show. And by the time they got around to playing the song Jump, it was number 15 in the set list. And then they finished off the entire show with Ain't Talking About Love. So yeah, I can still remember that show quite well, actually. That was the time in in history in Winnipeg when, you know, being the center of Canada had its advantages because bands like Rush would be there, Triumph, Blue Oyster Cult, Heart, 
um, just just a litany of bands would show up and the Rolling Stones, you name it, um, Rod Stewart. It was a great place actually to uh, to be a younger person and to actually have those venues that you know not only are for big bands but also small bands. There's all sorts of different places in, in Winnipeg at the time. There was the Osborne Village Inn, the Big A. There's a couple of different uh, venues. I don't know if they're even still doing their thing, but back in the day, it was quite a happening place. So even as um, just a blues player, if you listen to some of the stuff that he's done, uh, I'm thinking of like Ice Cream Man. That kind of a sound where it's like bass strings and then high strings. Like the technique is really cool. And that's what really impressed me. Like the right hand stuff that he was doing. It's like the country pickers nowadays. They're using picks and they're using their fingers. They're doing all sorts of double stops and, and harmonics and bends and descending bends and all sorts of cool things, parallel thirds and sixes. And uh, yeah, to have that technique makes up for effects, basically, which is what Eddie Van Halen rarely used, like I was saying before. So back to that song. So just a basic blues shuffle, right? Summertime, sit back, need something to keep you cool. Now, sometimes, sit back, need something to keep you cool. You better look out now, cause Dan's got something for you. So it was great to learn that kind of a style back in the day. And, you know, I've been playing that kind of stuff now for years. But he was one of many guitarists that definitely influenced my 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 love of the instrument and my willingness to put in countless hours and i actually went to school and i I got a degree in music and classical guitar of all things and i cannot say enough about basically being able to um to grow up in that particularly wonderful time in history the time when there was records and the time when there was tapes and there was reel-to-reels and you can actually slow these things down. Wow, I just dated myself there. But uh, yeah, with the reel-to-reels, you could slow it down to like half of the inches per, per foot for speed and you can actually hear everything drop down two octaves or whatever it was in the day. Now, of course, you can do that digitally and it's you wouldn't even think that's an issue. But back in the day when you had to work for it, it was a lot of work, actually, to try and figure things out. Because first of all, you're transposing it down two octaves. You're trying to hear these extremely low notes, and it's just a bunch of noise. If you know anything about audio, when you start getting into into bass, it's just mud. When you have frequencies that are just bouncing around each other, it's a terrible way to try and learn how to play a song. So now with uh, different software programs, it's a piece of cake. You don't even have to lose a pitch. You can actually just decrease the speed. So Eddie Van Halen, you had a heck of a life. You lived your life like a rock star. Uh, there's going to be no one like you to ever replace you. And I feel honored and privileged to have seen the band with David Lee Roth and Alex Van Halen and Michael Anthony. And that was, yeah, it was 1984. And I think that was the last time I actually did get to see that particular particular lineup. After that, of course, it, it morphed to other different singers and different instrumentalists, but you know, it was still the real thing. It doesn't matter who's fronting the band. If you're going to see a guitar player, um, 
you're going to be hard pressed to find anyone else who's that innovative. So that's about it. I don't have much more to say other than Eddie Van Halen definitely has influenced my life. And I'm sure he's influenced the life of many other people. And I'm going to miss the guy. I'm sad that he's passed away, but from what I understand, he was suffering for a few years. So it's not a way to live either. So thanks, everyone. A bit of a bummer of a show, but uh, I'm going to keep it short here. It's only 16, 17 minutes. I'll catch you next time. And hopefully a lot more of an upbeat subject. I'd like to leave you with a quote by Eddie Van Halen, and it goes like this. Rock and roll is feeling. And after you know most of the basics, chords, rhythm, scales, and bends, getting that feeling is just about the most important aspect of playing guitar. I couldn't agree with him more. Until next time, take care and talk to you soon. Cheers.